All right. All right, all right. Man, great crowd tonight. Great crowd tonight. Uh, grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. I, I, apparently, apparently God is up to something big tonight because Satan has been fighting like crazy. I mean, I just can't even tell you how, what all he's done today. Um, got a major leak outside, got half the staff out there working on that, digging on it. I'm glad I'm teaching tonight, so I don't have to be digging. Uh, but, but at two o'clock, at two o'clock, my computer screen went, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, lost everything, everything. And so I had to start over. And I think what God gave me after that was better than what I had. So that's a good thing. Uh, but I, I just want you to know that this is a big deal is all I'm trying to say. Uh, Satan, our children are his major target. And, uh, and so I want you to be praying. And this rough look I've got is because we got a water leak. I apologize, but y'all getting what you get tonight, all right? I, I usually uh, try to shave right before I come out. And, and I, I, I went to shave, turned it on, went. So, so anyway. We're going to have a good time anyway. Amen? Amen? All right. Well, let's look in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 17. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is, not he might be, not he could be, say it with me, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You say, what is reconciliation? We were out with God, and God was wanting us back. And God used his son to bring us back into relationship and fellowship with him. And now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him, his son, to be sin for us who knew no sin. Now read it with me. Everybody read it with me. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege and the, the opportunity to be in your house tonight. Thank you for your word that encourages and helps us and teaches us and guides us and, and gives us counsel when we have struggles and issues. Lord, please be with Andrew. Lord, please be with Caleb. Lord, this is a church-wide event. And I know our kids are struggling. And I pray, I pray that you will just fill Caleb with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll fill Andrew with your Holy Spirit. I pray that every single word will be heard and understood and will have the unction of the Holy Spirit on it. 
I pray that you'll give me what I need to help your people, your children, help their children. And God, I praise you and I thank you. You're worthy of, my, of all of our praise, not just mine, all of our praise. And God, we'll give you the glory and praise and the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. As most of you know, many of you know, uh, we've been going through the book of Hebrews on Wednesday night, but we have decided to take just a, a short couple-week break from that to address an issue uh, that we have seen with our young people. Uh, several weeks ago, Brother Andrew brother Andrew was, was, was speaking and teaching and he said, I want you to, I want you to, and he gave them like little sticky notes, uh, as if you were talking to God and what are you, what are you struggling with? What are, what, what are you having a hard time with? What is it, what is it that you would like to tell God that you don't want anybody to know that you're keeping secret, that you just need God to help you with? And so I, 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 I'll just show you the book. I'll just show you the book. You can see how thick it is. These are, these are post-it notes that says, and I'll show you, it says, Dear God. Dear God, like they're sending a text to God. And, and this is why we're doing what we're doing tonight. I feel like I can never do enough for my family. I feel like I'm not loved. Sometimes I cry myself to sleep because of it. Here's another child. Some days I don't feel like I'm good enough. Here's another child. I struggle with, all these are different, guys. All these are different children. I struggle with overthinking and feeling like I'm not good enough. I've been feeling that Whatever I do is never perfect. Trying to follow in the footsteps of family is hard when you don't feel worthy enough. Help me to know that I don't always have to be perfect. I know I'm struggling with mental illness. Nobody actually likes me. I just want to be perfect. I'm insecure about my body. People make fun of me. I've been fighting how I feel over a certain loss in my life. I feel unloved. I feel unloved. I've been holding on to things out of my past and letting them define me. I'm dealing with self-imposed pressure to be good at everything. I can be in a room full of people and feel completely alone. I've tried so hard to fit in, but I just don't. I've been, and all of these are dear God. These are your children crying out to God saying, dear God, I've been struggling with anxiety for years and sometimes it makes me depressed. Dear God, I've been having trouble making friends. I don't think I'm enough. Dear God, help me with self-worth, insecurity, and loneliness. Dear God, I don't feel like I measure up to others' expectations and on and on and on. Dear God, help me to want to be here. I just want to give up. I've been struggling with depression for years. The struggling 
are not only physical but mental. Here lately I've been fighting a silent battle. I'm too scared to ask for help. I realize I need to focus on you, God, before it's too late. These are our kids. Um, I'm, I have anxiety. I'm stressed about college. My parents are divorced and they still argue. I have a hard time understanding how people can suddenly just leave your life completely. Dear God, I have felt lonely and unloved. Dear God, help me with my addiction and depression. Dear God, I'm sad over the death of a loved one. Dear God, my anxiety and depression has gotten worse since sixth grade. I've been pretending I'm better, but it just seems I'm getting worse. Dear God, I'm struggling with my language. I can, I can feel you, brother. Dear God, I've been hiding my feelings so people I love don't worry about me. Uh, these are, this was just, I don't know, 10 or 15 out of a whole book. And they get worse. They get worse. I just basically read the ones that had to do with identity for tonight. Uh, but we're going to talk about grief and we're going to talk about depression in the next few weeks. Um, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Knowing their identity and how important that is. I, I, I looked at a, a, a quote and after I lost it at two o'clock, I wanted to burn the building down and I was stressing to said, I beg God, please let me find this again. Please let me find this again. But Jenny Allen, who writes for Focus on the Family, wrote this, and I'm telling you, it is so powerful. She said, the front line of the battle in our souls isn't the fight to become something we aren't or hope to be. It is a battle just to believe who we already are. And I hope you get that. In other words, God is, not, God is not hoping you will become something. He has already made you who he wants you to be. And, and, and we're going to get into more detail about that. But the hardest part about this fight and the hardest part about this battle is, is, is really not to convince these kids they're not what they have felt to be or what uh, society has tried to control their identity, and I'll give you a couple of them in just a minute, but it's just convincing them what's really true about them, what's really true about them. And so uh, I, I, I wrote down just a few things that's shaping the identity of your children Many think their identity, and, and, and by the way, uh, you say, well, I'll have children, and I, I don't want children, but you might have this problem too. I promise you there's people in here with a struggle with what we're talking about right here. And, and many people, and, and especially your young people, they, they try to find their identity in what they have in what they have, in their possessions or the clothes that they wear, the house they live in, uh, maybe uh, especially with, with older adults, is the car they drive. They will go into debt and buy something they cannot afford and put so much stress 
on the family because they're trying to, to find their identity in what they drive around. And not just what they have, they try to find their identity in what they do. What they do is very easy, especially if you're in a, in a, uh, a spiritual or ministerial uh, role, you, you, you find your identity in what you do. And then when you can't do it anymore, then you're lost. Some try to find their identity, not in just what they do, but in what others think or say of them. What others think or say of them. They try to find their identity in what they think or say about themselves. You say, that's dangerous. It sure is because I don't always think good about myself. But they're, they're finding their sense of worth and their sense of importance uh, and value in what somebody else thinks and what somebody else says and peer pressure. But not only that, in what they think about themselves, what, what goes through their own mind. I had, a, I had a whole list. I had, had stuff I wanted to share with you guys of, of when they were interviewed of what they were saying about themselves. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm a failure. I'm worthless. I'm hopeless. And, I, and all of these things. And it wasn't all of what someone else said about them is what they felt and thought about themselves. Now watch this. The last one, there's many, but I just gave you these five. What they have, they try to find identity and importance and significance in what they do, what others think or say about them, what they think or say about themselves, what, now watch this now, what I think my parents think about me, what I think about what my parents think about me. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking automatically. Automatically, you're thinking, well, they know I love them. Don't assume anything. Don't assume anything. I read a, I read a, 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 a story of a grown, she was probably in her 40s, and she wrote the story about her six-year-old self. Her six-year-old self. She said, one morning for church, I woke up real early, six years old. And she says, I wanted, to, I wanted to do something good for my mom and, 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 and get dressed all by myself so she didn't have to worry about it. And, and, and I put on my, my favorite brightest dress, flowery dress, and, and, and uh, uh, what am I thinking? You snapping your hair? Yeah, them things. Uh, I put them in my hair and I put my shoes on and, and I was so excited because I wanted to help mom and I run downstairs and she was putting the onesie on my little brother and she said, look, mom, I got dressed all by myself. You don't have to help me. And she said, I turned and did a little twirl and was so excited and, and, and she says, are you trying to win the ugly contest? Now, now be careful. Be careful. Because it's very, we, we, can, we can say, oh, we would never do that. Have you ever, your kids didn't match? Get up them stairs. I'm finishing the story. Get up them stairs right now, and I'll be up there in a minute. And so this is what she said she began to feel. Not what's wrong with this dress, but what's wrong with me. 
I tried to help my mom, but now I didn't help her. I put more anxiety on her. I put more work on her. She's thinking that. Mom ain't thinking that. Mom's just thinking you don't match. But she's upstairs now, and she says, from that moment on, I tried my best not to win the ugly contest. And everything was based on what I thought people saw that I wore. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying our words have impact, and our words are powerful. And I, I don't have, I, I, there's no way in this world I could give you all the stuff I would love to give you as far as numbers and, and, and information and, and, and articles and all these kind of things. So I wanted to try to stay as simple and as elementary as I could uh, for what we're trying to do to match up with what Andrew's doing down there. But let me give you just a few things that I think can help us help our kids. Uh, first of all, first of all, in order to help your child know their identity, you have to know your own identity. It's hard to help, help somebody climb a ladder you've never been up. And it's hard to convince one of your children of their identity in Christ if you're not convinced of your identity in Christ. If, and, and I'll get to that in just a minute. You must know your own identity in Christ. Number two, don't assume they know theirs. I, I, went, through, I went through that folder and I was looking at, at some, of the, some of the dear God uh, 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 statements that were made and, and there were several that was even veiled. In other words, what they were thinking and what they were feeling and what they were going through, nobody knows. And they don't want their parents to know. I act as everything's all right, but inside I'm dying. And so we see a smiling face. We see somebody that seems to be happy-go-lucky. We see somebody that we think's okay. And we just assume. Don't assume. Don't assume they know their identity in Christ. Number three, don't be dismissive of the struggle they are having. When they do verbalize it, when they do mention it, when they do talk about it, when they do bring it up or they do hint around about it, don't be dismissive of the struggle they are having. You've, you've heard the phrase, you've heard the phrase, oh, it's just puppy love. How many of y'all have heard that phrase? Oh, it's just puppy love. That's, it's not real. It's not real. It's just puppy love. Well, just remember this. It's real to the puppy. It's real to the puppy. I, I volunteered to help my son-in-law coach baseball. And it's for a, a foreign team. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Fairview. Uh, and we played my home team last night. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, I've just, I've just been observing children today compared to when I was playing and when I was at that age. And, and the kids, I, I mean, it's, it kind of shocked me at first. And I'm thinking, you just got an attitude problem. You just need to run laps. And they did. They run several laps. And, but then I, I started noticing it was, it was something that if they made one simple little small error that wasn't the big deal, 
I mean, it was just like their whole countenance fell. It was like the end of the world, like they shot the Pope. I'm talking about way, way overboard when they, one little simple mistake. And I've been having to go up to them and, and grab them by the face and say, look, look, it's okay. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to miss the ball. We're going to strike out. We're going to overthrow. It ain't no problem. Get up. Let's go. We'll get the next one. Here we go. And it's almost like a shock to their system. That any little error, any little failure, any little thing that is done, it, I mean, tears, tears. And I'm just like, what is going on? What is going on with our society and our culture to the point? I tell you, social media, just the culture itself, the world that they're living in, uh, everything is putting so much pressure on them and they're trying to find their identity in the wrong places. The wrong places. So, let's don't dismiss it. Let's take it seriously. Number four, you must know your own identity in Christ. Don't assume that they know theirs. Don't be dismissive of the struggle they are having. Be consistent be consistent in verbalizing what God says about these three things. Be consistent in verbalizing what God says about these three things. Who we belong to, why we are here, and who we are. And I'm going to give you some stuff, the rest of the outline, to, to support those three things. Say it with me. Let's go, let's go to these three things. Who we belong to. Come on, everybody. And who we are. So why is that important? Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou, 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 We'll find out who the thou is. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. The thou is the thy who has children. Are y'all with me? In other words, in other words, it's not the pastor's job. It's not Caleb's job. It's not Andrew's job. We're here and we want to help. And we're going to do everything we can to support and help and, and supply and pray with you and, and find materials to help you and teach lessons to help and do all of these things. But the ultimate responsibility for your child to know who they are, uh, what is it, who, uh, I can't even see, who we belong to, why we are here, and who we are, the primary responsible party for them knowing that is their parents. Do y'all see that? Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. How many of y'all would agree that that verse means be consistent? Do it all the time. Do it all the time. Talk about it all the time. Find every opportunity you can to bring God into a conversation, to bring what God thinks about them into a conversation all the time. Be consistent. Verbalize it. Don't assume they know it. 
Don't assume they know it. They want to hear it. They need to hear it. Uh, I, I, I've, I've told my wife, I've told my wife, baby, I, I said, have I told you lately how much I love you? Or, or the other day, I said, have I told you lately how gorgeous you are? I just told her five minutes before I said that. She said, no. <laughs> you know why? She wanted to hear it again. Hello? Do I have an amen from the ladies? Listen, verbalize it. You can't, you, you can't ever say to your kids enough how much you love them. You can never say enough how important they are to you. You can never assume that they know what you're thinking about them. Let me tell you the time I assumed. I ain't even admitting this, bringing it up because I'm about to cry. Me and Jordan got into a, a father-daughter disagreement. She got, had a, had just an issue came up and, and, and you know, we had to deal with it. A few days go by, I'm just wide open. I'm at the church. I mean, it, it was like four days in a row. I either left before they got out of bed and come home after they went to bed or whatever it might have been. Uh, we, just, we just never crossed paths or even got to speak to each other. And she sent, a, she sent a note, a message to one of her friends and said, well, dad must be still mad at me. He hadn't talked to me in four days. And it, 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 I had no idea because I just assumed that it was over when it was over. Are y'all with me? You can't assume that you know what they're thinking. And so, anyway, that's enough of that. Let's start, let's start very elementary. Let's start very elementary. You with little youngins in here. Uh, Cesar, you got, you got that baby back there. Listen, all you with younger kids in here, I'm a, I, this is going to be as elementary as possible, all right? The first thing we have to teach them, the first thing, we're, we're wanting them to know their identity. Are y'all with me? First of all, we must teach them who God is. We must teach them who God is. You say, why do we need to do that? Because they need to know he is our authority, that what he says about us is what's right, not even what we think about ourselves. What he says about us is what is correct, not what the bully at school says about me. Amen. He is the authority. Hallelujah. He is the one in charge. Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. Say, what do we need to teach our kids about who God is? First of all, he's creator. He's creator. You mean to tell me we got to go all the way back to the beginning? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. This, thing, this whole thing, uh, uh, little Johnny, little Susie, this whole thing, everything you see, look around, look around, everything you see, God in heaven made it all. He's the creator. Not only do they know that, need to know that he's the creator, he's the one who made everything, but he's also Lord. He's, he's not just God, he's the Lord God. He's not only the one who made everything, he's the one that's in charge of everything. Are y'all with me? Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter number four, verse 39. Know therefore this day 
and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, say it with me, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord. There is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, thou hast, uh, uh, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun from, and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. What is the Lord? What's the definition of Lord? Master, pursing possession, possessing supreme power and authority the ruler, they need to know that there is a God and he is in charge. Don't assume they know that because they're going to schools that are telling them that there is no God. They're going to schools that are telling them that they come from a monkey. They're going to schools that's telling them that they evolved from this microorganism that eventually turned into sludge and then turned into a lizard and that lizard turned into another creature and turned into a monkey and turned into an ape and then turned into you. And I'm not being facetious and I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be funny at all. Our, our kids are in a godless society going to godless schools who are teaching them that there is no God and the only way that they're going to know there's a God is if you tell them. You need to make sure they understand that there is a God and we must believe that he is. Hebrews, we'll get to that in Hebrews chapter 12. He is the Lord. He is creator. Teach them who God, and, and, and let me say this, let me say this. There was a day you seen your citizens, uh, and, and I found out this week, we had Dr. Finch in this week, and I found out I've always been the young preacher. Now I'm the old man on staff. It was disheartening, I'm going to just tell you that right now. And it dawned on me. I've been here 24 years. It's been a long time. But there was a time at my age, and some of you older ones that are older than me, that even in a godless society, there was still God in the society. Your kids don't have that today. This is the most unchurched culture and society that America has ever known. Ever. Ever. So, we must first, we must first teach them who God is. Say it with me. We must first teach them. Number two, we must teach them what happened. We must teach them what happened. Say, preacher, what happened? Man disobeyed. Man disobeyed. You can go back to Genesis. I didn't, for the sake of paper, I didn't have enough room, but you can go back to Genesis and talk about Adam and Eve. The first man and first woman had fellowship with God, relationship with God, but they disobeyed. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, 
As, read it with me. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Just say that part. By one man sin entered into the world. Now read the part, read the part that I underlined. For that all have sinned. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned. We're sinners. Little Johnny, you're a sinner. I know, I know every black bird thinks their bird's the blackest, and we all think our child's the but they are a sinner. When they're born, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. They're broken when they get here. We all are. And they need to know that. They need to know what happened. Man disobeyed, then be. Because of that, man is condemned. Man is condemned. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and, come on, and death by sin. And so death passed upon who? All men. Romans 6, 23. For the? The wages of sin is death. Preacher, what do they need to know? They need to know what happened. They need to know how we got to where we are. You see, you can't help them know who they are or who they could be because we're just assuming they're all saved. All right? I'm I'm bringing this at at you in a way that they're not saved yet. Are you all with me? And so before we can help them know what they can be, they need to know what they are. So we need to teach them who God is. Number two, we need to teach them what happened. We need to teach them what happened. Number three, number three, we need to teach them how God feels about them. We need to teach them how God feels about them. For God so loved the world. Somebody say amen. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 4, 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Little Johnny, little Susie, listen, we, we, were, we were broken when we came into this world. Uh, we are sinners. We are condemned. But I want you to know that God in heaven, the boss, the Lord, he loves you. Amen. He loves you. Amen. Now, why do they need to know that? Because sometimes especially if you were if you grew up in a real legalistic type movement uh, you think God's mad at you all the time you think you have to perform to find favor with him that your identity is based on your ability to carry that cross for the Lord and you're not basing your identity on what he did on that cross Who you are in Christ has no bearing on your ability to be good or on your ability to act right or on your ability to look right. It's based completely on what he did on that cross, not on your performance. 
And you need to know God loves you. God loves you. He loves all of you. He loved, he loved you before you knew him. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till you straightened up. He didn't wait till you acted better. He didn't wait till you were good. He loved you. And our kids need to know that we love them even when they're in trouble. Even when we're disappointed with them. Even when we're, listen, we need to make sure we, they know that we're disappointed in your behavior, but we're not disappointed in you. There's a difference. There's a difference. And by the way, they won't know that unless we clarify that. I was sitting on a couch. I'll never forget this. I got a call to go to a home. Their daughter was pregnant. Young lady. And I remember sitting on the couch beside her with my arm around her. And her father sat over there on the couch. And everything was going through my mind. I was wondering. And I heard him say, called her name said, I am not disappointed in you. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it. And guess what? They did. And they are. And guess what? She's raising a family in this church right now, wide open for Jesus. But I wonder what would happen if that father hadn't had that response. Just something to think about. Just something to think about. Teach them how God feels about them. And let me just throw this in. It wouldn't hurt you to tell them how you feel about them. If it's right. If it's right. Number four. Number four. Let's, let's review real quick. We're almost done. Number one. Okay, all right, let's do it together. You ready? Number one, can y'all see the importance of them knowing who God is? Because they have to, they have to understand where the authority comes from. That the authority is not in somebody else's opinion about them. The, the authority isn't even how they feel about themselves. The authority comes, who's right and correct and has the right to judge who they are, comes from God. All right? So they need to know who God is. Number two. Teach them what happened. Teach them how we got in this mess. Teach them why we have the problems in society that we have. Teach them why there are struggles and there are heartaches and there are addictions and there are depression and all of these things that we're struggling with. Teach them what happened. Be real with them. Be honest with them. Then number three. Say it again. Teach them how God feels about them. Number four. Number four. Teach them what God wants. 
for them. You could put for them beside. I just put teach them what God wants. Say, so what does God want? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all things are of God, who hath, come on, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to it that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto In other words, (coughs) sin separated a holy God from a sinful people, but God sent his son because he wanted them back. He wanted them to be able to come back into fellowship with him, come back into relationship with him. He wanted them to come back, and, and because of that, he sent his son to reconcile them and do what it was necessary so they could have fellowship again. Y'all with me? He wants them. He wants them to know him. He wants them to love him. He wants them to, listen, feel his presence and have fellowship with him and have a relationship with him and know that he will walk with them and talk with them and give them joy and give them peace and give them comfort, give them help, give them the strength. Greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. Somebody say amen. He wants a relationship with them. He wants to reconcile them to himself. Then number five, teach them what he did about it. Teach them what God wants for them, then teach them what God did about it. Watch this. This is so good. He gave his son our sin and punishment. Did y'all see that? He gave his son our sin and punishment. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who what? Knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Romans 5.8. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners... 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God and being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. B, he not only gave his son our sin and punishment, but B, he offers us his son's righteousness. Hey, Willie, grab, grab two uh, tissue boxes. I think there's one there, and there might be one over here. Grab two tissue boxes if you don't care. He gave us his son. Excuse me. He gave his son our sin and punishment. Now, watch this, guys. This is, this is how this works. <clears throat> All right? This is sin. Okay? This is sin. Everybody say it. This is sin. Sinner. <laughs> this is righteousness. All right. Uh, huh. Brother Mick, will you help me just a second? You help me just a second. 
I need somebody close to the Lord. Come on up here right here. All right. All right. This is Jesus. And what does he have? Righteousness. Perfect righteousness. Perfect righteousness. He came to this earth and completely fulfilled the law perfectly. Something he couldn't do. Y'all with me? And because he couldn't do it, he can't have fellowship with God. And he can't have relationship with God. And he can't make it where God is because he's a sinner and God is holy. Well, he has, but Jesus has. And so what God decided to do for you and for little Johnny and little Susie, he said, I tell you what, I'm going to put your sin on him and make him pay for it. And I'm just going to give you That's exactly what happened. He made him to be sin. Now, why did, why did he have to become sin? Because then he would have to pay for it. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He made him to be sin so that we might be made the in y'all with me little Johnny you condemned we're guilty and we're, we're separated from God but God sent his son to take our sin and give us his they need to know that they need to know that because they need to know that when they do come to Christ God doesn't see them as a, he sees them as perfectly, no matter how they feel, no matter what they think, no matter what anybody says. Some of y'all need to hear this. Are y'all with me? This is what happened. This is, this is as easy as an illustration as I can give you. The moment you got saved, God took your sin away. God took your sin away. He took your sin and put it on the shoulders of Christ on that cross and gave you Christ's righteousness for free. Now watch this. He doesn't have to be a great Christian to have this. He doesn't have to perform to have this. He doesn't have to make sure. Are y'all with me? All right, I got to finish this last one. Hurry, hurry. Good job, guys. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. This is so good. Review quickly. Flip your page. I know you're going to have to flip the page. Hurry, hurry. We've got 12 minutes. We're going to do it. We're going to finish. You ready? Number one. Teach them to know who God is. Number two. Teach them what happened. Number three. Number four. Number five. All right. Number four. Number six. Number six. Watch this. Teach them. Here we go. Who they can be. 
Now, we're going to go at this twice in two different ways. I think it was falling on me. There we go. All right, we've got saved Johnny and lost Johnny. To lost Johnny, who we don't, who is not saved yet, has not come to Christ yet, we need him to know who he can be. But little Johnny, who's come to Christ, he's a teenager, but yet he's struggling. He's going to church. He's, he, listen, he's in school, but he's saying, dear God, I feel worthless. Guess what? You can be born again, saved child of God, and not feel it. You can be born again, name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, have the Holy Ghost in you, and still feel like nobody loves you. That little Johnny, we need to help him. Let me go back to my quote. Go back to the quote at the top of your page. Watch this. Watch this. The front line of the battle, the front line of the battle in our souls isn't the fight to become something we aren't. That's the negative. Or hope to be. That's not where the fight is. The fight in the struggle is where we need to focus our attention. It is a battle to what? Who? Y'all with me? The fight is to help little Johnny to understand. You see, he can't believe something he don't know. And, and, and even when he knows it, he's going to have a hard time believing it unless you help reinforce it. So, so this list we're fixing to go through, this list we're fixing to go through, to, to unsave little Johnny, we need to help him know who he, come on everybody, who he, but save little Johnny, we need to help him understand who he already is. Are y'all with me? Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Say, who is he? Who is he? A child of God. Romans 8, 15, forgiven, say it with me, forgiven. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is a saint. He don't act like a saint all the time. Don't matter, he still is one. Everywhere in the New Testament where a saved person is addressed, He's called a saint. Why? Because all God can see is the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Little Johnny, you are a masterpiece created on purpose. Oh, preacher, you're making this up now. No, 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 no. Watch this now. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. That means masterpiece. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Preacher, what are you saying? Every little youngin is a masterpiece created for a divine purpose in God. 
and they need to know it. And you need to tell them over and over and over again. Say they're not living up to it. Well, help them remember who they are. Amen. Listen, they are a masterpiece. They are chosen. John 15, 19. They are accepted. They are a. They are. Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. They are given. Let me tell you what happened one night. I was, I was discipling one of our Hispanic families. A gentleman, one of the gentlemen that was coming to our Hispanic fellowship. Just me and him. And and most of you know, a lot of our Hispanic friends come from a Catholic background, a works-based religion, and you got to perform, you got to be good, and if you're not good, you're gonna, God's going to be angry with you and mad at you, and you've got to do these things. Well, they come to Christ, but that background was so heavy in their life And I was going through these things to help him understand his identity. And this is, this is chapter four in DMD. Chapter one is how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Chapter two is how to tell your story. Chapter three is how to tell God's story, basically how to share the gospel. Chapter four is identity. And I'll be honest with you. I'm going to confess something tonight. When I got to that chapter in DMD, I thought, I don't, this ain't no big deal. I don't need to know this. I don't even know why they put this in this book. In my head. I just take for granted everybody knows what I know. And everybody's been taught what I've been taught. And everybody's had the experiences that I had it growing up. And I said, here's what I want you to do. We're going to go down this list. And I, I took some of them out just for space. But I said, when we go to each one, I, I want you to say, I am, and then say the next one. And he said, I am a child of God. I am forgiven. I am a saint. I am a masterpiece. And his lips started quivering. I'm a masterpiece created on purpose. I am chosen. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. He said, I am accepted. And he began to weep. He had to stop and his tears dripping off his face. When he come to the realization that he didn't have to perform to be loved and accepted by God, that God loved and accepted him right there. Little Johnny needs to know these things. And guess what? You need to tell him. You need to reinforce it. You need to verbalize it over and over and over again. Let me, let me give you a little hint. <clears throat> there, there's so much 
that I wanted to share with you guys of how the world's affecting their identities, but God deleted it, so apparently you didn't need to see it. Uh, Everybody look at me real quick. Look at me. I got three minutes. Take advantage of opportunities. I've told this illustration before, but I think it's appropriate right now. My dad, my dad, he'll tell you, he he didn't have a whole lot of education, didn't have a whole lot of opportunities that way. And, and, you know, uh, but he was a master at bringing God into conversations. Me and my little brother, I don't even know if we was in school yet or not. If we were, it was kindergarten and in first grade or whatever it is. And he took us fishing out on a jetty. He took us fishing out on a jetty, a jetty of rocks that went out into the ocean. And uh, we were sitting there fishing, sitting down, and we was watching these pelicans. And these pelicans were flying, and they would just dive down in the water. If you know anything about it, been on the ocean or beach, you, you've seen this. And, man, that, that pelican hit the water, and he'd throw his old head back, catch one of the mullets, and throw his old head back, and that mullet go down his throat. And, man, me and my little brother's watching. Dad said, you know what? What? No, we didn't say. We said, sir. <laughs> we didn't say what. Don't ever say what. He said, you know what, them, them pelicans thank God for their meal every time. He said, yeah, watch them. He could tell what we were thinking. He said, watch them every time that they get a mullet. He said, they'll eat that thing and they'll thank God and wave at the Lord with their little tail. <laughs> oh, come on. Here's me and Joe. Here come that pelican. It dove in, come back up, threw his old head back. That mullet went down. Me and Joe focus on that tail. Sure enough. He said, he said, boys, even creation thanks God. Now, little did we know when we turned about 16, we realized that water had run down his back and he was shaking off the backside. <laughs> but let me tell you what, let me tell you what that little episode did. It made God real to two little boys on a jetty. Why did I tell you that? There are endless opportunities for you and little Johnny for you to make God real to them. Look for the opportunities. I remember, I remember one time sitting in Dr. Brown's office. <clears throat> we, was sitting there, we was sitting there in the office discussing something. His grandson come in. Come in, just no knocking on the doors and just right on in there. And I understand now, mine does the same thing. And don't you even say nothing to him. He come in there, Paul, Paul. He said, you give me a dime? Because Preacher Brown had a little gumball machine that costs a dime. He said, will you give me a dime so I can get me a gumball? 
He said, well, let's pray and ask Jesus for it. He said, okay. So he, he bowed his head and prayed. And at that time I seen Dr. Brown sticking his hand in his pocket, getting a dime there praying, Lord, provide a dime for and his little grandson's name. Provide a dime so he can get a piece of gum. In Jesus' name, amen. Sure enough, he looked up, there's a dime. He said, boy, God answers prayer. See, all that's silly. God answered prayer. The boy got his gumball. What is he saying? He took advantage of an opportunity to make God real to him. Well, preacher, I just don't even know about any opportunity. Let me tell you an opportunity a lot of y'all walk by every time you come in this building. Them boxes out there. Them boxes out there. Oh, you're just trying to get money. I'm not trying to get money. God's going to supply the need. I ain't worrying about that. I'm trying to give you an opportunity to take that box home and pray over that box, and little Johnny's going to see God put something in there that didn't come out your pocket, and you say, God did that, Johnny. And not only are you going to build your faith, you're going to give him faith. Are y'all with me? Say, where, where where do we need to really operate in this? identity thing and self-esteem. They just need to know who God is. And they need to know what God done for them. And they need to know what they can be in Christ. And then when they find Christ, you need to reinforce over and over, over and over, over and over, you're forgiven, you're accepted, you're loved. Johnny, You are a masterpiece designed by God himself for a divine purpose on this earth that only you can accomplish. Over and over. Over and over. Don't assume they know. Don't assume you've told them enough. Don't assume. Don't stop verbalizing it. And let me say this. We're going to take a time out from the children. Some of you guys, you need to go home in the mirror. You need to look at that mirror. And you need to tell that person in the mirror, you're loved. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. You're accepted. And you need to do that till the one in the mirror believes it. Because you can't lead someone up a ladder that you haven't climbed. And if you're struggling with your identity, if you're struggling believing you're forgiven, if you're struggling believing you're a masterpiece, if you're struggling believing, I'm gonna, I, I, I got to say this. I, I know we're three minutes late, but I, I, here's a survey. One to ten. Saint. Saint, sinner, 10, 10 sinner. All right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Y'all holler out, how you feel? Where, where on the scale do you, where do you think you land? 1, 10. Just holler out, it's okay, don't, don't be. Now, one's a saint. Was a saint. They're perfect. They're perfect. Saints. Four. 
Y'all are some scaredy cats in here is all I know. No wonder our kids are struggling. Most people that take that survey will go from five to ten and will always lean toward the center side. And if you pick anything but a one, you don't understand who you are. Because you are the righteousness of Christ. And when God sees you, when God sees you, he sees Christ's righteousness. And all God's people see it.